Reopen the Case Foundation is focused on reducing the cold case crisis in Virginia. We spotlight unsolved murders and missing persons. The views expressed are the commentary of the hosts and guests. Listener discretion is advised. I'm here with crime insider John Burkett. John, welcome to Reopen the Case podcast. Thanks for having me. So, John, on January 3rd, 2014, in Chesterfield, Virginia, a popular science teacher and small business owner named Vinny Ferriello was found hanging from a rope in the back room at his exotic pet store called Off the Ark. So the initial information put out was that his death was a suicide, yet there was blood on the countertops and floors and sink. And the police actually said, I believe, that they didn't suspect foul play, stated that this case was a death investigation. Right. And they ruled it pretty quickly as suicide. And then you fast forward six months, the ME report comes out and it clearly says homicide. Why do you think they initially said it was a suicide? Any guesses on that? It's a good question. I can tell you that it's hard to refute science. And when you get a, an ME report that said he had defense wounds on his hands, his knuckles, there was blood and it was homicide. You know, I, we came back to them and asked, are you guys sure this is a suicide? And that's when they said, well, we can rule differently than the ME rules. Well, and the other thing that uh, was apparently came out was that in addition to all this blood, his car was also parked in front of the store. And it sounds like that was unusual per his daughter. Also unusual per uh, the people that worked in that same complex. I talked to uh, Betty Coleman who worked at the State Farm Insurance Agency down the road. She would often collect mail for Vinny. He would get to work roughly around 2.30 in the afternoon after high school let out. He was a high school science teacher. The mail would come around 11 in the morning, so they knew to drop the mail, the boxes, and so forth off at her place. He'd come by, pick them up, and then go to the uh, Off the Ark store four doors down. And she said that it was rare that he if, – if he was going to park out front, it was for something quick. He'd come in, come out, and then go home, not if he was going to open the store that day. Let's hear from Vinny's daughter, Faith, a little bit more about where he parked his car and how that might tie in. Like it was just such an abnormal thing for him to do, park out front of the store, because he never did that. He always parked in the back of the store. And, and Betty Coleman pretty much verified that. She verified that, again, if he was coming in to get something real quick and then go out to a show or something like that, he'd park out front, go in, grab the reptile, grab uh, the snake or whatever, come back out, get in the car and go. But if he was there to run the store, he would park out back. So back in 2014, Vinny's good friend Troy Thomas was quoted as saying that he couldn't imagine anyone that would ever want to harm Vinny and that everyone loved Vinny. It sounds like he put a smile on everyone's face. John, can you tell us a little bit more about what you learned uh, as far as who this father was that everyone called the reptile guy? Well, that's what you heard from everybody that ever had contact with Vinny, whether, you know, students, even students that went to Thomasdale but didn't necessarily have him for a teacher. They knew of him as the reptile guy and, and how he was a motivator. And, and one girl I spoke with, uh, would tell me that uh, the reason why she did what she did when she got out of school and went to college and then inevitably became uh, a, a sailor in the Navy and then went to veterinary school so she could become a vet for reptiles 
because of Vinny's inspirational stories when she was a young kid and a teen in high school. You know, she said that it was his character, is how he was. He was one of those guys that if he saw you kind of moping down the hallway in school, he'd pat you in the back and say, come on, you got to beat that bell. You got to get going. You got to roll. Got to rock and roll. It's go time, fellas. And that's just how he was. And he he was uh, very much a motivator, a family guy. If you listen to Faith uh, talk during her interview to us on uh, Reopen the Case, it just, you know, she talked about just a family man. Guy loved his kids. He took her everywhere. I mean, that was his shadow, was Faith. You know, for 11 years, he would take her to shows for uh, reptiles and take her on TV appearances. I know she came in our studio a couple times uh, for Virginia This Morning appearances with the snakes. She would go everywhere he would go. Thomas also stated that he didn't understand how police could say there were no signs of foul play. And it sounds like he actually went into the store kind of right after that crime scene tape came up. Here's what Troy stated. I was shocked, you know, to see that in writing, you know, and but I'm kind of upset that this wasn't noticed before. You know, it takes six months to finally for this stuff to come out. There's blood on the sink, the microwave, the back room, you know, in all different places, the ground, the floor, the countertop. So, John, months after Vinny was found, it was actually your station that obtained Vinny's death certificate and kind of broke the news about the medical examiner not agreeing with the police. Yep. Someone uh, slipped me a copy of it. And the condition listed was ligature strangulation, but the manner of death marked homicide. So then almost three months after Vinny's death, the death certificate was amended from pending to homicide. To homicide, right. And there was never an announcement made that the status had changed or a press release distributed. What's your opinion about why that kind of went under the radar? Well, it's because we got our hands on the death certificate and nobody else did. So we went forth with the with the report that, hey, you know, they reported this. This is what police is saying. But we've got something that says differently, and this is – the head scientist for, uh, you know, the, the medical examiner for Richmond that says this, and it clearly says on there, strangulation, uh, you know, ligature marks, uh, defense wounds on the knuckles, homicide. And the former detective that well, that was on this case, Steve Neal, his explanation about the death certificate was that in Virginia, the ME's office is responsible for investigating all deaths, and they take everything into account before finalizing their report. Do you think that clears the question up, or is it still? I think it, it it's still muddy. Uh, Steve was not the investigator for this. Steve was the watch commander during uh, this case. So basically, he was the mouthpiece for the department. He was a a guy that would speak to the media. Years later, we would use him as uh, one of our experts, and he, he's probably in an expert role right there. I think talking about it, it's very unlikely that an ME rules one way and a department goes 180 degrees the other way. It's just, it, do, it doesn't happen. So, uh, you know, I think there's still a lot of questions in this case. And it could, in the end, it could still be a suicide. But until we get the questions answered of why was this there, why was this there, on, why wasn't this checked on scene, and why did he have defense wounds, and why did the ME say this? 
I don't think it can be ruled that way. Well, and 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 if it was a suicide by hanging, how do you explain all the blood? I don't. So there's some debate about the blood. There's some debate whether Troy is uh, his memory is you know factual. There was some blood. I know that, but whether it was smeared all over the place and. I don't know for that to be fact. I mean, it's that's his word. I mean, I, I can't question it. He said he went inside the building. Right. Well, and so then Vinny's brother, William, he had a lot of questions after he saw the medical examiner's report. Did you ever talk to him? I spoke to him via phone, I believe. And he basically said, hey, man, it's a suicide. Leave us alone. Oh. So he had questions, but he was – Going to just accept that. Yeah, he's going to accept his brother's death as a suicide. So, John, let's talk about Vinny's daughter, Faith. Mm -hmm. She found out when she was just 11 about her father. Mm -hmm. We're going to hear from Faith now. I was 11 years old. My mom came home and, like, soon followed everybody else in my family. And it brought us all into the, like, the living room. And we just knew, like, right away something was really off. And my mom grabbed my hands and knelt down in front of me, and she said, all she said was, um, Daddy died. I just kind of, like, froze, and, um, and I didn't even know, I didn't even know how to react, actually. I just kind of went upstairs and cried in my room. So I know she was never actually told how her father died, and then a couple years later actually Googled her dad's name and learned a little bit more about what happened. And at that time she saw it was a suicide. Is that right? Right. That's what uh, most of the Google searches came up with. But then she did come across our report that said it was listed as a homicide by the medical examiner. And that's why at 16 she reached out to you via Facebook Messenger. At 16 she reached out via Facebook Messenger. And I told her then, I said, listen, I'm here to help you and I want you to get answers. And obviously – I mean, I've got my, I've got a daughter. I've got a son that's her age. I've got a daughter that's a little bit older. But I'd want my kids to know if something happened to me that, you know, if someone is saying it happened one way and I didn't go out like that, I would hope that someone, one of my kids would fight for the truth. And that's what she's doing. So she reached out to me when she was 16. I said, listen, I really can't, you know, do anything on this until you're of age or you get your mom's permission and you do it together. And uh, she reached back out when she was 20 and said, Mr. Burkett, is time. So that's that's how the ball kind of got rolling on this thing. And Faith shared with you that she didn't believe any DNA or evidence was ever tested. It appeared like there was no forensic investigation. That's what she said. I don't know what was tested and what, what wasn't tested. In speaking with some folks I know over at Chesterfield, what they have should be tested again, and it should be opened up and examined for further review. And at this point, that hasn't happened. It's not happened. So it is a closed case. Last time we talked to Chesterfield, it made it seem like they're willing to get in the room with a lot of folks that had something to do with this case and kind of re-examine what they're looking at and, and go decide where to go from there. Maybe get some cold case detectives on it? Maybe. So losing your dad at 11 is is tough. And Faith speaks a little bit about what she's been going through with Luz and Vinny. He would still be here if it wasn't for whoever or whatever happened to him, whoever took him from us and then uprooted our lives and, and that he would he would still be oh, my best friend. And I just, you know, I just miss my dad. I, um, you know, walking down the aisle is a big one. 
because um, it's like, you know, he would want to do that. It was his only, his only daughter, his little girl, call me Bunny. And um, the fact that he's not going to be able to walk me down the aisle or if I have kids and is that he's just not here and he, he didn't get to be here because someone didn't give him the chance. And he loved this more than anything in the entire world. Tough to listen to. It is. And I'm glad she has you supporting her because she's doing exactly what I would do. Yeah. If it was my dad. I think that's uh, the one part of the interview that when it aired on television that uh, I was like, man, is somebody cut onions in here? What is going on? Yeah. Because it was just, it's one of those, just, it hits you right in the gut. And, uh, you know, I think about my, my, my dad died uh, 12 years ago and, you know, didn't die like this. But, you know, you think about things like that and I think about, you know, my daughter just got married and I got the chance to walk her down the aisle. And here's a girl that, you know, wants that and can't have it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit, John, about how Vinny communicated. It sounds like his family said he communicated a lot through Facebook Messenger. Um, have they at all checked into his social media accounts? Uh, I think I even heard that he had. Th there was a talk of him possibly having chatted with his killer. Well, forensically, I don't know what they've done as far as Facebook and all that. I don't. I don't know what they've done as far as that in this investigation. Um, I know a lot of physical evidence was recovered from the store in that shopping center. It was described to us that the tanks, the reptile tanks were moved in front of the door, well, that, that takes more than one person. Those tanks are heavy. Yeah, I have a reptile tank. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're going to lift this up as some, you know, a single dude. And, it's a two-person job at yeah, least, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions in, in surrounding this case that it would be good to get a lot of eyes on it, especially some some of these former detectives that are working on some of these cold cases for these jurisdictions, the good ones, like a, a Johnny Capicelli, to you know look at this and examine it and go, okay, it, we need to go this direction and figure out this, this, and this, and then we can, we can determine something here. So I read a quote from you. There's a few theories, I guess, that had been floated out, and one of the things you mentioned was there was talk of an organized crime hit. Yep. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, with with what Vinny did for a living there, the part-time living uh, with the, the pets, you know, there's always been talk of you know, some of that stuff comes from overseas and, you know, did he owe somebody something? Did uh, a purchase go wrong? You know, we don't have those answers. I mean, but he was dealing with overseas dealers for reptiles and snakes and, and everything else. So, I mean, I'd imagine that'd be one thing that police want to get behind and, and find out. And you don't know if, if back at that time they did any kind of <clears throat> financial forensics? I don't know. I, it was real hush. I mean, you got to realize that this was a, a struggle because it was a high-profile teacher that everybody loved, and he was dead. And when they claimed suicide, everybody that knew him was like, there ain't no way. And then you've got a family of his that's like, please respect our privacy, please respect our privacy. And you got that working. So, you know, the digging that we could have done back then, 
a lot of it would have resulted with talking to the family and the family didn't want to talk. And Faith wasn't old enough. And Faith wasn't old enough. And she didn't know what was going on then. I mean, 11 years old, she didn't have any idea except mommy kneeled down and told me daddy was dead. I mean, that's all she had. And she Google searched it. Yeah. I mean, I'd hate to find out on Google. I mean, I have kids that age and they know what's going on a lot more than people give them credit for. Yeah. So anything ever as far as motive suspects, anybody that he was having problems with aside from the possibility of somebody with with the pets Um, and the purchase of the pets? And, and, you know, I I don't know. I've never been told definitively that, well, he had a problem with this guy and this guy would – Sell him dead snakes, or you know, you know, no, no feuds, no, no fights. And he wasn't the the type to get into feuds or fights with anybody. He was just a a real kind spirited guy. Just he 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 was the life of the party. Dude liked to live it up, and he was a little wild. You know, I can remember bringing him. Um, I did a story about a a boa that was found in a, a HVAC unit in Brander Mill. And they brought Vinny the snake, and he got to keep it. And he was, and he did a story on it, and he was talking about it. And he's a very knowledgeable dude. I mean, the guy knew his reptiles and snakes and everything else like that. So he was just a really good dude. And, you know, he had the respect of his peers, you know, uh, students, and people that worked in that strip mall. They loved him. Everybody loved him. So in every one of them that you talk to to this day says there's no way that Vinnie Ferriello killed himself. No way. Wow. What happened to the pet store? Yeah, it was sold off. The one thing I did, so I tracked down the guy. So there was a, a trophy shop right next door. I tracked down the owners of that store. They have since died, but their son is alive and works at a West End trophy store. And he had told me that he would go on with us and talk and then at the 11th hour backed out. So I don't know if he's spooked by, you know, reopen the case or or if he, you know, I don't know what he knows. So he might have heard something or heard his parents speak of something that they remember? No, he was the one that actually found him. Oh. So this guy actually found Vinny hanging. I got access to him through Betty Coleman, who is the State Farm office worker that used to work down the, a couple doors down. She called him. She stays in contact with him. And he's a nice guy. And we talked, and then he just eleventh hour said, "Hey, man, I don't feel like I can do it. I got my 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 calendar's full, and I just I don't want to talk about it." Well, that's one of the great things about kind of reopening cases like this or trying to is that sometimes people who really weren't interested in talking years ago might change their minds. So we would love it if, if he changed his mind or if anybody remembers anything, knew anything back then and was afraid to say anything. You know, it's years later. Let's get Vinny's family some closure and answer some questions that we've addressed today. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to get the perspective of someone in the medical field, and we reached out to Dr. Dan Moore, owner of RevMed in Richmond, Virginia. He has a master's in biochemistry and is a doctorate in medicine. He's not a forensic examiner, but he has been trained in pathology and physiology, and we wanted to get the perspective of someone in the medical field. So welcome, Dr. Dan. Thanks, Jess. We're talking about Vinny Fariello, who was found hanging from a rope in a back room 
of his pet store. And the initial information put out was that his death was a suicide. In fact, if you look it up now, you'll primarily see that still listed as his cause of death. But supposedly there was blood all over the countertops, the floors, the sink. And yet the police said they did not suspect foul play. And then came the medical examiner report, which listed his death as ligature strangulation, but the manner of death was marked homicide. In your opinion, is there any reason that there would be that kind of blood in a suicide by rope hanging? Listening to the details about Mr. Ferriello's death, not having the actual examiner's report, but basically hearing that it was ruled a homicide, and that they found blood all over the place. When people die by hanging, there's not blood that you find everywhere. People don't usually bleed, uh, don't bleed very much at all if their death is by hanging, certainly not if they hang themselves. This just doesn't make any sense. So there's some details that are being missed or there needs to be some clarification because assuming there's blood everywhere, assuming you know, that there may have been wounds on his hands. There were, there were, there were defensive wounds on his hands. That's not something you see with hanging. That just doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's certainly the aspect of people saying that there's no way he would have killed himself, which certainly it would fit with this idea that the evidence that we're hearing about doesn't jibe at all with a suicide. It just doesn't make any sense. If this was somebody in your family, would you want this case to be reinvestigated based on the information you know at this point? The people, I think, that are asking for answers need information that presumably everything just needs to be laid out and said, okay, here's what we found and here's why we said what we said. You can, I mean, crazy things definitely happen. What we're being presented with right now does not add up at all. You said there could be some blood with a death by hanging strangulation. What, where would that come from and how much would it be in it, your opinion? It's rare to see a lot of blood with a self-inflicted strangulation or death by hanging. Um, most of the time people asphyxiate. In other words, they just, their, their airways cut off and they have to stop breathing. That's really rarely going to cause any blood anywhere. Um, you can have blood pooling in strange places, and maybe you lose some, but usually there's not very much at all. You're certainly not going to get, assuming there are wounds on his hands, that's not something you're going to see with strangulation. Um, certainly not wounds on the hands that are going to cause a ton of bleeding. If he had lost enough blood, it's actually just going to be physically hard to do things like stand up, like get yourself in position to You're going to be that. dizzy and weak. Because you don't have blood flow to your brain. I mean, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So there are, there are undoubtedly details about this that would help rule it in or rule it out one way or the other. You know, I hope that if that can help yeah, Vinny's family, that it gives them, gives somebody reason maybe to say, okay, well, here, here's everything we have. Maybe it doesn't make sense. That's entirely possible. But right, you know, maybe all the details, that is to say, maybe they don't add up and that's just the way it is. But right now with what we're hearing, nothing about that makes any sense. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you for being here, Dr. Dan. Sure thing. 
So if you have any information that could help solve Vinny's murder, please contact Reopen the Case at tips at reopenthecase.org or by calling 833-RTCFNVA. And for our followers, thanks for listening to Reopen the Case podcast. We appreciate the sponsors who make what we do possible. Thank you to Wilton Construction Fire and Water for sponsoring this episode of Reopen the Case podcast. We work with the community and law enforcement to offer assistance with cold case reviews from an independent, objective viewpoint. Please tune in to help us provide peace to families waiting for closure. You can listen to more Reopen the Case podcasts on your favorite apps, including Spotify, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. Subscribe to our YouTube page to watch video platform versions of Reopen the Case at YouTube Reopen the Case Foundation.